You're listening to And hey everyone, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is Friday, October the 8th, 2021. Week one of Spooky Month is in the books. Um, we're coming at you on Friday because this has been a very busy week for us. So uh, pardon the lateness of this episode, but you know, it happens. So joining us as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian American, just Jew. Ooh, spooky. Nothing spookier than capitalism, Marvin. <laughs> also, you had your own horror movie moment yesterday. You know, I got a lot of concern message. I I got stuck in an elevator. Um, all things considered, it was very chill. I probably was the chillest person that ever got stuck in an elevator. It was not that long. I was by myself. It was a fairly big elevator. It didn't smell bad. I was fine. Um, I'm like, great. I got content for my social media now. And everyone was like, oh, my God, this is my worst nightmare. This is my worst nightmare. Like, really? Your worst <laughs> nightmare? This is quite neutrally leaning towards pleasant, I will say. From your end, from our end, you sent us a message on Slack saying, I am stuck in the elevator of my storage unit. And then would not respond to us asking you, <laughs> are you okay? I, yeah. No one asked me that. <laughs> No one asked me that. We asked obviously, you that. No, and obviously was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I check my social, find out on my social media, my Insta story. Well, we asked you in Slack, but I didn't oh, see I don't the respond on Slack. Well, but you put it on Slack. That was the difference. Yeah. That, I'm giving you as a little drama. You ghosted us and we were afraid you became a ghost. Yeah. So I had to wait until I saw it later on in social media. Like, so I was like, throughout the whole day, I'm like, I hope she's okay, but I don't have time to check now. <laughs> so, it's funny. So I when bite. Jess posted that she got rescued by firefighters, my girlfriend asked me, ask her if they're hot. They were not. They were like very middle aged. I don't think they send the A team to like <laughs> respond to a, just a stuck elevator. It was like not. It was not precarious at all. It was like, you know, the, the elevator people came. They, like, got him moving. It was fine. But I guess protocols, like, you have to call the fire department. And so I'm like, they were like, yeah, can you hear us? Well, yeah. And, like, they did something. The elevator moved and the door opened. I was like, yeah, cool. Thanks. And I proceeded to get into the other elevator because I still had to go do my job. <laughs> Nothing stops the just you. Well, not stuck. I mean, I've, I'm scared of a lot of things, but like a stuck elevator is not one of them. I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I watched that movie, Kate and Leopold, so I know a lot about <laughs> elevator breaks. Do, huh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, like yes, that is yes. a plot point in Kate and Leopold, the rom-com starring Hugh Jackman and Meg Ryan. So I'm very well versed in the history of elevator breaks. Thank you, Otis, for saving my ass. Elevators are safe. It's fine. <laughs> also joining us, professional culture editor, Han Wynn. Hey, uh, the last elevator stuck thing I saw was Evil on Paramount Plus, oh. and it and it went into a uh, hellish dimension. So that was I'm a Shyamalan joint, didn't... right? Was it? No, no, no. That was not. Devil. Yeah, yeah. Devil? Evil is a TV show oh. that's done by the uh, the the Good Wife, Good Fight people. So Got it's it. very yeah. It's 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 way better than any Shyamalan thing. Well, I'm glad you didn't get stuck in any elevators. I myself. Elevator free since 2020. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I was in an elevator. Oh, well. Yeah. Also, we should get an update. Were the BTS gods with any of you? Did you acquire your golden tickets to the show? Oh, I'm not even trying. Yeah, I didn't try. I I feel like I'm not worth... Like, I feel like if it was a chill thing, I wouldn't mind, like, getting a nosebleed seat just to, like, watch. But, like, I know somebody would, like, sell their left arm to, like, be in that stadium. I'm like... Nah, it's not for me. It's it's funny because it's like I was talking to all the people who were trying to get tickets and I was like, well, when you go, you know, just give me a report. And they're like, oh, I'm sure it'll stream somewhere. I'm like, you don't understand. I don't care about the actual concert. I want to <laughs> know about the experience because it's going to be crazy, but I don't want to, you know, like inflict that on myself. So like you do it for me and I will live vicariously through you. I have a friend who had floor tickets to the original show that got canceled <gasps> and now has nosebleeds. Oh, She's very Oh, upset. shit. That sucks because that's so sad. It's wild how many people had like not just personal plans of attack of getting the tickets, but like coordinated attacks with multiple people. You have to teams of people to get tickets for everybody. Yeah. This is something that was interesting is um, 
in media, it's known that Comic-Con yearly, the the hotel thing is hotel apocalypse is mm-hmm. insane. Um, so it's just like ridiculous. And so you do have to coordinate. So everyone tries and whoever can get the hotel with the most, you know, rooms, then other people will drop their further, you know, out hotels, all this other stuff. So when, when someone's compared this to that and said it's like 50 times worse, I was like, I can believe it. Um, it takes a lot of work to to be a fan, basically. BTS, man. What a thing. What a thing. Well, we're not here to talk about BTS, but we are here to talk about something Korean. Uh, on this episode, we're talking about the latest craze to sweep not just the nation, but the globe, which is Netflix's Squid Game, the number one watched program in 90 countries. Uh-huh. It is the Netflix the power of netflix <laughs> yeah yeah we'll be talking all about the, this new death game series after the break but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week um let's start with jess because i feel like your topic <laughs> is like very timely and i need to we need to unpack this yes together okay so I've been very busy, and other than Squid Game, I've not been able to consume a lot of media extracurricular things, but I took time out to engage in bad art friend discourse slash kidney discourse slash subpoena the group chat discourse. (laughs) I saw it smattering on Twitter, and I was like, am I going to take this on? And there was such a weird jumble of words. I'm like, I have to know what's going on. Like, usually it's something pretty straightforward. Like someone said something racist or someone was being transphobic. This was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, So for those of you not in the know who are blissfully unaware, you are now will be cursed with knowledge. <laughs> so basically this woman, aspiring writer, donated her kidney as a living donor like not to a particular person she just decided she's gonna donate her kidney could proceeded to make a facebook group about the fact that she donated her kidney added a bunch of people who she apparently thought were friends um seems they did not feel the same way one of those friends i'm putting friends in air quotes was a writer who used that whole kidney thing and this letter kidney woman wrote to her eventual donor uh as a basis for a short story that got very popular and basically kidney woman started getting litigious and suing or was like very upset that it was not acknowledged and then writer lady was like oh kind of like gaslighting her because she did admit in the subpoenaed friend group records that she did take the inspiration and a few words plagiarizing from the letter, which she has now subsequently changed. And then like Celeste Ng is involved in this. <laughs> did I get everything? Um, I'd say probably like 80%. Yeah, it's a very yeah. complicated, basically it's a New York Times Magazine article, which by the way was pitched by Kidney Lady. I think... That needs to be brought up in the discourse as well. Mm-hmm. She pitched the story to the New York Times. Yeah. And uh, which, man, oh my God, where do we I start? Mean, number one is since when did New York Times start running Am I the Asshole stories? That's mm-hmm. my thing. Yes. This should have been a Reddit thread. <laughs> I think it would have been much more fun as a Reddit thread. Um, one thing you missed was the fact that. After she had posted, created this fan group to, you know, follow her kidney donation story, posted this letter, she went in and checked who liked her post and <laughs> went on to confront the people who did not like her post with a like a passive aggressive, like, hey, I noticed you haven't engaged with my post, just wanting to let you know about my story, blind donating my kidney. I don't know. I feel like like all this all the drama of like the plagiarism aside. I feel like we all probably know someone like this. These narcissists. In our, oh, like, yeah. in our social circles, especially those of us who are parts of communities, right? Are we are we talking about the narcissist fact or are we talking about the delusional both. fact? Because that, that's the tragic combo. She is both narcissistic and delusional because narcissists have like, okay, you did a great deed. Awesome. But, you know, if you keep wanting kudos and rewards and benefits... For your good deed, is it still a good deed? Even if it's a scale of donating an organ? And then the delusional part is just she's so unaware of like 
the actual relationships in her life, mm-hmm. right? She thought these women were really her friends. And that's why she was so hurt and like, you know, like kind of felt so betrayed. And they were like, they've gone on record, including Celestine. She's like, we're not her friend. We like met her once and like knew her. Like, we, like we, I didn't even know her yeah. last name. I'm like, ooh, that burns. Yeah. Wasn't she just some, she participated in a lot of like, was it Grub Street? Like writers workshops, right? And she's mm-hmm. one of those, we all know those people who like attend all the workshops and like, it's like podcasting in some ways or, you know, like online personas where because you engage so much with the content you feel a kinship with you know the hosts what they call Mm -hmm. yeah parasocial relationships (laughs) right yep Yep. yeah and then the discourse around this whole issue has been between are both of them assholes or just one of them an asshole Uh, i think they both did wrong yeah but But like would i rather be friends with i know who (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 also i just think i don't even think like any criticisms about the group chat should not be allowed right. because it's a group chat. It's a private group chat for a private group chat of friends dealing with like this woman who is like making your life difficult. They were actually very kind and very generous, or at least the quotes in kinder the than I would ever my, be. Yeah. My quote, my group chats about like people who have slightly inconvenienced me are significantly more brutal. Like I don't, I don't understand. Like, and it's yeah, it's the group chat. If you can't be bitchy in a group chat with your friends, that part when can that, you be a bitch? So wild. Like, I yeah. would never want to know what other people are talking about me behind my back. Yeah, I, even uh, yeah, if I, even if I suspect, you know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't need to know. Some things are just better not. It's, and it's also, you know what? I fully respect other people's right to talk about me behind their back my back and 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 it's fine if it's like not (laughs) nice because you know what that's what those conversations are about it's it's kind of like when people like reveal too much on on twitter i'm like don't you have a slack for that don't you have a friend group (laughs) like that's what all of that is for they do not yeah i mean it's just like yeah like we you are everyone's human you don't have positive feelings about every single person you ever meet all the Mm -hmm. time and it's like to punish someone or to like i think to punish someone for like this like i think what is a very standard like level of cruelty Mm -hmm. in a group chat is like very close to being like, oh, you're just not allowed to feel bad feelings about anyone ever, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, this was not supposed to be public. This was not supposed to be, yeah, like, on record. Because the the, the so. thing about that that I find, it, like, unconscionable is that she's using that subpoena and the group chat to help boost her lawsuit. So that's the thing that I find ridiculous. It's like, you might have had a plagiarism, you know, lawsuit and, you know, grounds for that, like with some of the earlier versions of this story that this woman wrote. But like she has now since changed it. And um, yeah, and she never like sold or marketed any of the older versions that were sim- more similar to the letter she wrote. So I was just like, this is just ridiculous because right now it has like no resemblance to you know, her story or even her letter anymore. So it's kind of like you basically just want personal acknowledgement that, you know, you inspired something when that is, this is where it, it comes in when we're talking about writers. It's like you get inspiration from everywhere, honestly. And it's true. Like, yeah. where is the line? Well, I feel like the line is when it no longer resembles it. Then, like, you can't. Uh, you get, like, SVU is like, it's ripped from the headlines all the time. Come on. Or, you know, like that weird thing where it's based off you, but it's like a very bad portrayal. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're just smart and be like, I'm not going to say shit about that. Like, I'm not going to Streisand this. Yeah. 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 And then, ironically, I saw this take on Twitter. Someone was like, well, now that kidney lady has dragged a writer lady into all this and into her story, does she owe writer lady, like, life rights Mm -hmm. or anything? Yeah. I want to know. I want to see the sequel to the story, which is where the writer of the New York Times Magazine article options his story into a film, which you know it's coming because Hollywood is out of ideas. I I did enjoy his writing because there were very clear... (laughs) phrasings that really showed like this kidney lady is just off a rocker sort of thing i mean it ends the article ends after like we go through the whole ordeal Mm -hmm. like litigious like the litigiousness everything at the end he's like yeah this kidney lady just watches all the virtual panels that writer lady is on and she's like oh but she's doing her due diligence right (laughs) 
but she just watches. I'm yeah. like, oh, yes, um, sir. We know yeah. where you stand. Throughout the whole thing, like every single phrase, like he, even the way he describes her novel in progress as a sprawling novel, I was like, ooh, <laughs> like you definitely made me not want to read this thing. Um, and just, yeah, like they're just throughout the whole thing, you just, if you had a highlighter, it'd just be like, oh, you can tell where this person is like their loyalties lie. And then when it comes to the writer lady, uh, the, uh, the author is very neutral. Mm. <laughs> so, anyway. oh, anyways, yeah, just wild times yeah. we live in, guys. Everyone, get off. Get, just everyone, go go breathe some fresh exactly. air. All of you who um, was not aware of this, and let's just mention are now. I'm first. so sorry for bringing you it know? to your to your sphere. But now you can now when the story comes up in your friend chat, you can you can provide your own perspective. No, we're all going to blow up our friend chats, right? Nothing in writing anymore because <laughs> it might be subpoenaed. Good luck oh. sorting through all my thirst tweets yes. about Gong Yu. <laughs> Have a good time. Oh. Anyway. Well, thanks for catching us up on Bad Art Friend. Um, Han, what's popping with you? Uh, a good art friend, actually. Um, oh, I am oh. talking about second season of babysitter's club and the art friend i'm talking about is claudia kishi uh wow what a segue <laughs> that was fantastic fantastic uh it, it's uh the second season doesn't come out till october 11th so you have that to look forward to on your long weekend on indigenous day in fact it is uh being dropped but it's a it's a very good second season follow-up to the first which was uh, as every it was not just very kind and and sort of like funny but also really progressive um and so this kind of follows up with that perhaps maybe not quite as progressive and um uh it's still very very liberal the season and um we do get two episodes that are specifically about claudia um and of course she's in every episode you know as the rest of the friends but you know everything is told from the point of view of one of the babysitters. And so there's definitely two episodes that have Claudia in the title. Um, the clothes are amazing. Claudia is so fun. Um, and I, I have to say, they're also very smart. There's a, there's an episode where they talk about taxation. Where I'm just like, wow. you like you know way more than even some of our senators do. So uh, clearly <laughs> it is a fantasy, but um, it's a fantasy I very much sign on for. So um, yeah, I, since I don't want to spoil anything, we can if we want to talk about it later, we can. But yeah, I'm excited to return to the um, the wholesome world of where, where do they live? Stony Bridge? Is that the town? Stony Brook. Stony Brook, <laughs> Connecticut, Marvin. Get it right. Sure. Yes. <laughs> uh but yeah so it's 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 good times um yeah. anyway so that was mine what's popping with you marvin all right um i have a book pick for everybody um it is iron widow by shiran J. Zhao. um i read it this past week in preparation for an interview i did with shiran for my other podcast books and boba that you can check out uh probably later this month um iron widow is a sci-fi fantasy an asian inspired sci-fi fantasy novel that's been pitched as Pacific Rim meets The Handmaid's Tale, um, which is um, a, I guess, Western-friendly way of um, describing its inspirations. Shiran also takes a lot of inspirations from a lot of mecha anime, um, including Ava, um, Escaflone, um, and even Digimon. The story is Shiran's reimagining of the rise to power of Wu Zetian, who, um, for people unfamiliar, is best known as the only Empress Regnant of China to form her own dynasty, taking the title of Emperor of China. She's a very famous figure in Chinese history. Um, there's been a lot of like dramas, movies made about her. So the story takes place in a world inspired by pre-colonial imperial China, where humanity is being attacked by giant creatures known as um, Hunduns. And... And the only defense are giant robots that are made from the husks of defeated Hunduns. So these giant robots um, take their form from figures in Chinese folklore like the nine-tailed fox, like the um, vermilion bird, black tortoise, white tiger. Um, creatures that those of us who are familiar with Chinese folklore or stories based on Chinese folklore will be familiar with. Um, the way that these giant robots work is they have to be piloted by a male and a female, each taking a seat in the cockpit corresponding to their yin and yang energies. 
And the downside is if the internal like chi power of both pilots are not equal, one pilot ha- runs the risk of consuming the life and soul of the other pilot. So in this world, because males supposedly have more chi power, um, a lot of times the female pilots never make it out from the fights. And so in this world that's kind of run by space Confucianism, um, females are only valued for their ability to um, bear heirs or be sacrificed to become concubine brides for these um, male pilots. I don't know if I like any of those things. Uh, like to live in, <laughs> like to live in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I do I do like Pacific Rim. So, <laughs> so. so the setup is um, Wu Zetian volunteers to become a concubine pilot because she's secretly trying to murder the male pilot who she thinks killed her sister. Uh, but in the process, finds out that she, in fact, is an Iron Widow, which is a female pilot that overpowers the male pilots uh, when she comes back from her first battle. And she's the one left alive. And so the story follows her um, rise to power as a pilot within the system, um, all the while fighting against space Confucianism and space patriarchy. And so the book is a really fun read. Um, Shiran's style is very kinetic and I guess like really rock and roll. There's a like, very aggressive um, tone to both the writing and the character. Shiran's Wu Zetian is a very, very angry lady and and a lot of her decisions stem from just this anger against the patriarchy which made for a really fun read. Um, I finished this book in a day, so I definitely recommend it. One thing that I do want to call out that was really cool is, um, you know, usually in these YA action adventure series, you have like the trope of the love triangle, right? You have like your main heroine who has to decide between like the her hometown best friend versus like the new bad boy that she meets. But in Iron Widow, Sharon asks, why choose? And in this story, and this isn't spoiling anything because it's part of the marketing, she actually forms a polyamorous um, coupling or, yeah, yeah, with her two love interests. I like it. Uh, there's so much polyamory in sci-fi. It's kind of where you can, where you can go to like try that stuff out. You know? Yeah. Um, so- I hope that's the future. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Iron Widow is available at booksellers everywhere now. Um, it did debut number one on the New York Times bestseller list, so it obviously needs no further promotion, but I do want to give it a plug. And make sure to catch my conversation with the author, Shiran Jade Zhao, on Books and Boba um, later this month. But with that, I guess that'll do it for what's popping for this week. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're talking all about Squid Game. Stick around. Hello, I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras, you know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, this week, we're talking about the show that's taken the world by storm. Um, Squid Game is a South Korean survival drama television series streaming on Netflix, written and directed by Hwang Dong-hyuk. The series tells a story of a contest where 456 players drawn from different walks of life play a set of children's games with deadly consequences uh, for a chance to win 45.6 billion won. Um, the show became the most watched Netflix program internationally, reaching number one in 90 countries, including the United States and the United Kingdom. Just a quick warning up top. It's going to be hard for us to discuss this show without going into spoilers. So this is a general spoiler warning. Um, this discussion will be a spoiler cast. So revelations and plot twists will be on the table. Um, we won't be spoiling too deeply, but we will be talking about certain scenes, characterizations, and themes that might be considered spoilery depending on your tolerance for spoilers. So just a quick warning, the entire series is available to stream right now on Netflix. So if you are interested in watching it, uh, you can go ahead and pause right now and come back when you're done. Or if you want to watch the show with our insights in mind, um, go ahead and keep listening. It's up to you. You do you. Um, But yeah, let's get to it. Han, 
Squid Game, I think, was your what's popping last week. Um, and you were the one to push the rest of us to really check out this show for this podcast. So I'm going to start with you. What are your general impressions of Squid Game? Um, yeah, like, here's the thing. I kind of knew just in general, uh, before it even came out, because I got like a couple of the screeners, but like two episodes is not going to do you. So I was like, I'm going to have to finish it before we start covering it at Salon. Um, but I mean, just the death game aspect of it and the visuals were enough for me to realize that this is going to be like popular. Did I know it was going to be number one all over the world? No. But I knew it was going to be popular enough because I felt like people were going to hear about it from word of mouth. And clearly that is the case. Um, so when it comes to these sort of death games and series from other countries, honestly, I have to say this is better than a lot of the things I've ever seen. Um, it's It's not just a really interesting concept and and sort of like put together in a fun way i hate to say fun because it's death but i mean it's a fun concept but uh it's also just front to back a very good project the acting is fantastic the um the storytelling is is pretty good as far as the characterizations they could do better with the women but you know that's always the case Always. Um, and uh but you know they create arcs you care about the characters it's visually great like and the actual storytelling of each game is so thrilling that like you cannot just wait in the middle of the episode you have to finish it um so yeah I, and i think it's just very well thought from back to front and also of course beautiful 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 asians in it so <laughs> so i just like yeah. i had to recommend it to basically everyone yeah, and for a Korean drama, it's pretty breezy. It's like the length of like a longer BBC series, right? It's only yeah, nine, it's episodes. nine episodes. I think one of them was only 30 minutes long. I mean, I have a legitimate question. When we talk about K-drama, are we talking about... Like, I use K-drama in a very specific sense of like... There's a certain tone, like there's a certain yeah, it- length storylines um it's th- so this is a korean dramatic show it is not yeah but i wouldn't classify as a k drama that makes sense <laughs> right right so i'm not comparing it to the romances out there which are kind of like what we're talking about when we say k drama yeah. but as far as even the foreign content that has been made from korea that is not and and japan too like um uh that is not falling into that k drama sort of soapy melodramatic stuff yeah um it's still better than some of the things and one of the reasons why I say that is um, Alice in Borderland is a really fun series. It's also a death game from Japan. Um, And it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not quite as deep. It definitely doesn't have the messaging that this does. And it, and, and, and I think that is what kind of sets it apart is it is a commentary on, you know, our capitalism and life. And therefore that's why the characterizations were so important to represent all those walks of life and, you know, those, the circumstances that we deal with. So, yeah, yeah. it it has a clarity. Mm -hmm. It has a clarity that, and a focus and the, I think conceptually it was just whether, you know, I don't know if he like had any directives about doing it, but like death game, as a genre, is just like very easy to understand, right? Regardless of what language you speak, you're like, oh, if they like the stakes are very clear, the rewards very clear, um, all the characters, yes, you know their intention. Um, it's written very well and set up very well in that way. It's just very focused. Yeah, I mean, death games in general are very like didactic in nature, right? They're there to like tell an allegory of something, and I think this Korean style death game is very like it's it touches on themes that a lot of korean um i guess um cinema likes to touch on which is the effects of ultra capitalism on like class divides and what happens when you have like a society with like huge disparities in in wealth and economic stability whereas like japanese death games tend to deal with like disillusionment of youth and people and like all the social things that their culture is dealing with as well so i think I have a theory that this series hit really hard for us because, like, I feel like Korean style capitalism is definitely derived from American style capitalism, right? They definitely learn from yes, us. Yes. Because it, w- not learn, we imperialized <laughs> them, Marvin. We forced it on them. Yeah. And they've embraced it. So, yes. Yeah. And then our, 
our capitalism <laughs> definitely came from British capitalism, right? And imperialism. Like, we learned it from them as well. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting because, you know, what the whole, as we were talking about how you, the uh, Korean wave and how Korean entertainment is just huge worldwide. And then this thing is in a way kind of, kind of not like it's, it's since it's, you know, critiquing capitalism, but it's also super popular now. So it's kind of like yes. it's and made in a very capitalist system. Right? Entertainment and, is and, inherently and just super. Ne- yeah. Capitalist. And Netflix is number one in capitalism. Come on, let's be yes. honest. So it's like the irony is they're probably going to make a season two. You know, I really hope they wouldn't. Um, but at the same time, it's like, of course they are, because that's what you do. Um, so yeah, I I, I I like have this sort of thing like I'm happy it's it's done well and I'm like as far as like it being popular and successful, but I also I'm just like, oh <laughs> I mean, isn't that the inherent like irony of capitalism, which is if something makes money, they will make it, even if it criticizes the money that is being made off of the show. And yeah. you have to give the director kudos for being able to quote unquote trick the corporate overlords for letting him tell this anti-corporate story right yeah i mean so here's he's a director who is known for doing social commentary movies and so this is his first foray into series and i think that might be why we talk about the vision being so clear um and the characterization so good because in a movie you have much more limited time to tell that story with impact and so here, you know, he was able to stretch it out and like spend time with each of the characters more. Um, but yeah, it, it is something where I'm like, good for him. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he became a hermit after this. Uh- <laughs> I mean, in an aside, his first film was My Father, which famously starred Daniel Henney. And I'm just imagining, imagine if he was able to bring Daniel Henney back into this series. Oh. So you have both Gong Yu, Lee Hyun Byung, and Daniel Henney in one series. Would that be too much power? No like not for netflix <laughs> so not for netflix because they got money yeah. um yeah it's also really um oh shit i had a point about american imperialism but i forgot it's fine <laughs> you it's fine. you can bring it back I'm yeah sure. i mean speaking okay. of daniel henny and whatever i know we can't talk about squid game without talking about the thirst of Squid Game. Man, what a what an impactful what like three minutes on screen mm-hmm. for um oh Gong Yu who is the salesman businessman that is you know He's the that honeypot are <laughs> the oh oh yeah and is he sweet oh <laughs> my god you know I have fond memories of Gong Yu in Coffee Prince which is my favorite um K drama how has uh, that, was that very aged? informative because a lot of the old like. 2000s era K-dramas have not aged especially well. I have not revisited <laughs> it, but you know, like I have very very clear memories of how good he looked in that <laughs> mo- in that show with like the outfits cuz he was like the boss, so he was always like businessy and like I just remember very distinctly as like maybe like what like 11 or something being like how is this man a perfect inverted triangle on top mm. and like just legs. <laughs> I like just amazing. I I I actually, you know, confession, have not watched any of the traditional K-dramas. Um, and so I guess I'm going to have to start with that one. <laughs> My, oh, yeah. It's like, did you like like the gay subtext in the animated Mulan? You'll love Coffee Prince because <sighs> he is definitely gay. Excellent. That's, that's just going to be my horny viewing. Yes. Yes. Oh. This cast, you will, by the way, is very like they're so mm-hmm. good. They're also great actors. We like the don't you know mistake Most of, our thirst. All the Korean speaking actors, <laughs> like to point out yes. because there is, oh my god! So so there are specific English speaking actors in this show that fall under that like, I guess the rule of Asian media project, which is get whoever to be to act as your white people because it doesn't matter what they say the koreans won't understand it anyways but as an english-speaking watcher i was like these scenes are unwatchable i i I don't know if it's deliberate or not if it's deliberate i actually think it's kind of brilliant because you know there is so much stereotype and baggage with being a not like a like an actor in hollywood from a non-english speaking country specifically asian languages because French accents are sexy and, you know, whatever is sexy. 
And then it's just like, oh, like how you see like Asian actors who may not be <laughs> able to like, you know, give a 100% performance because of the language barrier. We're flipping the script. The white people all suck in this, right? And there's st- like, and any foreign language actor would still be better than these like very terrible actors. There's this one guy in who these ma- his accent switches every sentence he speaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, well, the interesting thing is there is like, you know, because I had to troll Reddit until people caught up because I could not talk about the show with anyone for a while. So that's why I went to Reddit and I was like, what are people, what's the discourse? Like, come on, let's talk. And so this one person shared a, an interview with one of the, um, the white people. And he specifically called out like, no, the dialogue is awful for these people. Um, deliberately so to the point where when he read the line, he's like, he actually asked, is this the line? Cause it doesn't make any sense. And, um, and they're like, yes, that is the line. These people are like this. And he even t- called out one of like the bad jokes he had to read. Um, and then he also was just like, I noticed that they are the tone of all the dialogue, but also the way it was shot was different from the rest of the series. So, whether or not you think they're bad on purpose or bad accidentally, um, I think at least even if it was an accident, they they embraced that and made it awful on purpose. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I feel like it was on purpose. Like you don't have like I feel like the I'm going to give like I think the director mm-hmm. wanted that. I don't you know, like we've we've seen him do an incredible job everywhere else. Like I don't <laughs> I think it's like a I don't know. I don't know if we agree with the overall artistic choice mm-hmm. but it is definitely like they they are the jester they are the caricature mm-hmm. right they are yeah. this almost grotesque performance of wealth yeah. i wasn't and, disturbed and western capitalism yeah, i wasn't disturbed by it i I, th- I was very fine with that it, i guess i mean it just took me out so much like you have this like near perfect show and then you have these scenes with these they're not even chewing scenery they're just like no because i also don't think you want to give them any benefit of i kind of respect like he's like no there's no redeeming quality to any of these whether within the narrative content or the way of mm. shooting yeah. so the issue with when we talk about bad quote bad things or like evil things is the very act of putting a camera on them glorifies it mm-hmm most of the time like i would say like nine out of ten times so we could talk about the terrors of war but if you're going to make a beautifully produced beautifully told like war movie you are inevitably glorifying war so he's not <laughs> given these like suckas any chance to be glorified any chance to be seen as cool or hip or like maybe they have a point no they're just like these very grotesque characters we don't see their face their faces don't except for like white man who's built like a i don't even know what he's built like like a like a like a lighthouse buoy <laughs> like a ocean buoy I was just like, I did not need to see this man's ass. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, mean, okay. I, I will accept your your proposal that this is just a big galaxy brain moment for the director. <laughs> Kudos on. Yeah. I mean, it's like Netflix money. It's they, they did not skip. I don't think <laughs> I don't think they're they were going to like, you know, it came down to like, oh, fuck, we forgot to hire like the a- actress to play the rich people. Let's just get people off the street, you know, like. <laughs> They had to go look for these homies, I'm sure, in Korea. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, these bad actors, in all sense, all in all definitions of that term, um, represent like the, the capitalist system that this series is um, essentially railing against, right? And I find it interesting, like looking at people's reactions. I've been watching, after I finished watching the series, I started watching people's reactions to it. Mm-hmm. And obviously the death game aspect itself is a big part of the draw, right? This is a very dark series. And mm-hmm. I mean, the draw of a death game, or I don't know if it's a draw, one of the features, I guess, is that any connection you make with any character, that like you run the risk of them dying that episode, right? Like, mm-hmm. and the fact that you know there's only one winner, you know everyone is going to die. At some point, except for one person. Well, here's the thing that I found very interesting. I was thinking about Squid Game and how the games progress. There are six games in total, right? Is it explicitly stated? I don't remember. I should have checked. But 
is explicitly stated that there's only one winner walking out. I thought the they the game said that winners get to split the pot. And everyone who dies gets more like the more people die, the bigger the pot gets, but basically they get to split the pot. So I think they kind of hinted that that might be the case, but I think also it was I felt like it was understood that I mean, there's only one person because as soon as I and it's not even because I, as a viewer, know this type of thing, but it's kind of like if you're going to give that many games, then it's. Yeah. So I, I felt like they knew from the start it was going to be with one person. I will say so they do not know what the games are going to be and the games increase in explicit violence committed to each other. So it kind of makes sense because that first game, it's not them killing each right. other. It's can you meet the brief right. or not? Right. With the red light, green light. I know it's not red light, green light, but it's the fine. red light, green yeah. light game. And then you go, you know, the next game becomes about, you know, Dalgo- like again, you're you're kind of not at the same advantage of other people from a quote random draw. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're not actively hurting each other. Not till we get to like mm-hmm. the tug mm-hmm. of war where it's, yeah. you know, direct. That's a group mm-hmm. violence. Right. You're competing groups, but the accountability is mm-hmm. like split like disperse a little bit then we get a little crazier with the one-on-one marble <gasps> thing yeah. and then and then we they don't know like we don't know the last game is the squid game and that there's only one yeah. winner right there, so I, there's I the guess, archway well, uh the, the i mean i think that's the satire that's the criticism is the rules say you can share but the game itself yeah only and one uh, winner can that, come out and i think right? that's one of the things where not that I would ever want to be in that situation, but had I been in that situation, I would know only one winner. Like, there's just no other way that that's going to play out. Um, yeah. No one's going to share. Yeah. But I think, and, and I think it's interesting what, you know, as each person adjusts to those raised stakes and how it reflects their character. But like, to me, it asks a very interesting question. Like, we are all in a capitalist system and we're all guilty of participating in it. So are we less guilty in certain instances or, you know, like I think we all want to think we would not push someone off a metaphorical glass bridge. Think about all the Um, times when even on online discourse, arguments about issues become a zero sum game where you're either with me or against me. Right. How many of those end with like, like the most extreme types of competition on who is right, who is wrong. And well, that, that's theories. Like we can fight about theories, but like in a, like no one's going to, it sounds, already sounds wrong as I'm saying it, but like, like a fight in a fight on Twitter is not going to like actually harm me, like in my physical world environment. But you know, if we're talking about like capitalism, which squid game is a, commenting on it's like you know we are all you know i think we all want to think we're like not guilty and that we wouldn't you know fuck someone up in a squid game and but like at the same time we benefit from things that other people are not in this capitalist system i mean it's all allegory right the squid game is essentially like what are you willing to do to succeed and who are you because like success like the people who become super rich they do that on the bodies and labor and like hours and life, like and essentially life forces of so many people below them, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think you know, as people who are not super rich, we still benefit from capitalism on people more exploited than us. Yeah. But you know, like it's always so com- like that's why I think this. It's the deeper you go, the, the more engaging it becomes because we all want to pretend like we don't. You know, like we we benefit off the Ali's of the world, right? We benefit off the um, yeah, us, yeah. So yeah. Uh, one one of the things that like my coworker wrote this about this, besides it being capitalism, but it's very specifically displaying predatory capitalism, where you literally are like undermining unions and and uh stealing from other people and so here's the thing we see that a lot of these characters actually are still even if they're in debt they're not desperate just because they've been beaten by the system but they are also in their own ways predators um and have uh like whether you're like stealing from other people which there are a couple who are (laughs) a few there who are definitely stealing um in fact many of our like favorite characters have stolen from other people. Um, but yeah, doing things to keep other people down so they can get ahead. And in fact, everyone who re- returns 
um, have decided that because they said if you continue to play, um, if you don't continue to play, then all the money goes to the dead people's families. And they were like, no, who? why give it to the dead people? We want this. So they are taking money away. So all of them have decided already that they're keeping those people down because they want the money themselves. Yeah. And then they return, yeah. right? They return and knowing that that's, they they make that decision. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the Squid Game as a whole is like, like we said, it's an allegory for capitalism, and especially like the way that it's set up, right? Like, this is a game we later learn is set up by rich people to bet on the contestants, right? And they make such a big deal about how this is a microcosm of like the most fair competition between people. Like there is no, it's all about fairness. Everyone has the same, everyone's dealt the same cards. And so everyone has a chance to win and everyone agrees to that. But it's, well, that's why they're given a uniform, um, the green track suit. They're given it a number. It's very similar to what the workers there around them, they're given a uniform and they have given a mask so that they supposedly are all equal. Yeah, but then, I mean, that is the sense of the lie that capitalists tell the world, right? That everyone has an equal chance of succeeding if you just work hard. I worked hard, why can't you? It's like the ultra rich have this concept of kind of like social Darwinism, right? Which is the strong will survive if you have like the, it's like the whole, um, not to disparage hustle culture, but kind of like the more toxic elements of hustle culture, which is like, you are not succeeding because you're not trying hard enough. Right. And that's the lie that they, they perpetuate, even though if you look at the way the games go, certain people do have privileges that others don't. Some people are stronger. Some people are smarter. Some people, you know, are able to game the system. Like there was no round in this death game that cheating was not happening. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's the reason why the more more left elements of like even our country say, you know, we need programs, we need welfare programs to kind of give people like up because it's not an even playing field. Capitalism does not treat everyone fairly, even though you want to believe yeah. It does. Like one of the things that um, there was a sort of a controversy about some of the subtitles not being good enough for English speakers. And one of the things that one of the characters points out is that she didn't get the education that some of the other characters have. So it may even not be that she's not smart enough, but she's just not educated enough to be on that level playing field. Um, they 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 make efforts to try to make them equal, like when the glass maker, you know, they try to like turn off the light so he wouldn't be able to tell the difference between two types of glass but i'm like no it's like that's just like minimal the other things that people come through you know just like being healthier having had a good meal you know coming from unbroken homes uh because ali is there because he needs the money they're there for an opportunity um so it's like there there's so many inequities and um it's pointed out that like even the way he he addresses the other people is definitely more deferential because he is not on equal footing with them. So um yeah, Ali I think such it's a good character. Oh, so I good, love so, so good. Much. Yeah, and so yeah, I I think it's fascinating. There there is that lie that, you know, it's like they're all equal. Mm-mm, nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that's a lie that we hear all the time here too, right? Like people should pull themselves up by their bootstraps right bootstrapping is such a myth (laughs) and it's kind of like it's same here just because you try hard doesn't mean you're gonna win honestly you can try like to everything and to death you will find out (laughs) that you just didn't try hard enough no that's not the case there is definitely also luck involved too and then if you fail it's somehow your own fault not because the system was rigged against you in the first place right so, yeah, but it's funny because in the way, in this way, I it's one of the arguments I was making is the reason why, part of the reason why people are watching it is because it is cathartic to see something that is so viscerally unfair that they're like, yeah, that's how I feel, like how I'm dealing with life. Um, so f- even when a character dies, like, it, yeah, it can be heartbreaking and uh, traumatic, but it's also like, that is how I feel like we are dealing with you know like the the conditions that are exacerbated by the pandemic you know <laughs> so um yeah and so- i do wonder how many people are like digging deeper because i'm sure this show has already spawned so many think pieces right about about the underlying oh yeah like, some themes. bad takes too <laughs> man because you know america very american centric and you like you know, this is very much set in a cultural context of modern Korea and 
And like, you know, most Americans don't know shit. So they're extrapolating incorrect data mm-hmm. or like incorrect like takes. And you're just like, no, that's like nothing. Like how many people are no. looking the same? Man, that would never happen here. I think they I think most people at this point recognize that. Yes, it is very like, no, we face the same things. I actually was like, man, like South Korea just as fucked up as yeah. we are. <laughs> All right. Don't feel so alone no more. Um, but, you know, things about like the extremely hierarchical and formal like like language culture mm-hmm. you know like think that's been big in discussion i'm not korean i don't speak korean but like even like just the base knowledge understanding that like age mm-hmm. and where you are positionally and status mm-hmm. is really important and plays into the relationship dynamics um i think if you have no knowledge of korean like culture that's totally lost on you like there's just elements that if you're not and and that you're not going to be aware of because it's not in the script because it's in the ether of the world mm-hmm. because it's a korean project mm-hmm. like um and they don't have to explain that shit because it's a korean project yeah. i i i do um, think and- yeah being asian we are more aware of uh the types of hierarchy that um when it comes to language and position and gender and and class um we we may not have all of those one-to-one but we definitely have very some similar things um because like even when i was just trying to like my Korean friend, she's like, I can't believe they didn't even translate Opa correctly. I was like, yeah, they should just left the name, like the word Opa there instead of saying babe. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the translation? I mean, I feel like it's all already been said. Like, obviously, you can't, you won't be able to translate one to one because there's a lot of colloquialisms mm-hmm. and like idioms that don't translate one to one. But there are a few things that like I wish they had um, so, yeah, brought some- more to the forefront, right? Because whenever mm-hmm. Sangwoo addresses Gyeong, he calls him Hyung. Right, mm-hmm. which is a term of like respect for an older, like yeah. a senior, right? But that nuance is lost in the translation where he just calls them by the name, which still works, but it yeah. loses that like relationship aspect. Yeah, honestly, I wish they just kept the names, like the, those words, sorry, the titles, because like, let's say if you're watching something and someone calls someone Papi, you're just like, you don't want to translate that into some English weird equivalent that's going to lose the nuance. So why don't they just keep young? Yeah. Why don't they just keep Opa? Yeah. And then we'll figure it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, especially because, I mean, Poppy is such a great analogy, too, because that has that could be flirtatious. That could be very platonic. It could be familial. Like, there's a lot of different ways to use it. And I'm just like, yeah, like, just explain it. Like, they'll get it. Like, young Opa... I'll just see those are all very easy mm-hmm. concepts to grasp because we do have English like there are equivalents that we've encountered in the world. Um, and yeah, yeah and that that is a shame. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I understand. Like, let's say if something's a full idiom, like a phrase, then maybe you don't want to say like they stepped on the mushroom fast, you know, or and, <laughs> and like. But you know what? Sometimes if you translate things like literally, we kind of get it anyway. And also yeah. then you like kind of capture the beauty of that language um i so, mean the whole red light yeah. green light thing which is like that's not the game they're playing because sure. red light green light is an american game it right. reminded me of like because the chinese version of that game is which is one two three woodman oh yeah, yeah. but I, I think people who are more upset with that like i think red light green light's a f- yeah. fine translation mm-hmm. i don't think like the re- the real game like changes the yeah. story that much like it changes the mechanic of the game like but like it doesn't change the story and what we learn about the characters yeah. and how, you know, like the world, right? It doesn't, I think it's fine. Doll creepy anyways. <laughs> uh, she haunts my dreams. Yeah. By the way, the doll is the outfit. I'm probably going to wear something similar for Halloween. I was considering Well, I don't too. have a dress, but I have the yellow shirt and an and orange overall. So I was like, you know what? This is I'm not going to contribute to capitalism. I will not buy a new outfit off of uh, Amazon uh, because I really want that green tracksuit. But I was like, I will be the doll kind of. You know, at this point, everyone's <laughs> going to wear the green tracksuit. So, like, I don't want to yeah. accidentally be but kidnapped that, and it, sent to a death game. But this is like the one... <laughs> This is like the one time where like being all the same actually yeah, really yeah. works thematically <laughs> overall. Um, I'm also like, man, this is a really great costume when you're in a big group of Asian friends. Yeah. Come on, guys. Like, it's here's our the, year. It's I, our here's year. Here's the thing. I will buy a green uh, tracksuit if I am attending something Halloween. So, Jess, that Squid Game party that you were talking about, you know, throwing. If you do that, I will buy something to wear. Uh, or at least I will, I'll dress up like this doll. So, like, There's just something yeah. so icky about trying to reenact the Squid Game. I, it's I'm not, sorry. It's, it's, just... it's, it's not reenacting it literally. It's just a theme for a party. 
<laughs> I want to play fun playground games. No one will die, but like maybe we'll like throw twenty bucks into a pot and play for money. Like, come on, you gotta guys. have a clear pig. I need you know? to, yeah. I need to feel yeah. something. Yeah. Right. But I, but I agree. It's just like it's 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 for me. It's the fun of it. It's kind of like no one dresses up like Hunger Games because they want to kill anyone. So I, I'm I'm I would be happy to attend a themed uh, party if this were hap- to happen. I wonder if this does bring back another wave of death game American content, right? Uh, Probably. I mean, is, is there going to be an American adaptation of Squid Game? I hope not. I mean, they're going to try. I, they're like, 100% going to try. I hope it's not but that, like, but maybe just like a, a knockoff, whatever, something else, um, death game, which I'll be fine with, but I just don't need a direct adaptation. <laughs> um, here's the other thing that is mentioned in the show is when it comes to the uh the english-speaking people they say oh the korean death game is the best so now we know that squid game or whatever is uh is all over the world but the korean one is the best one so if you think about that in the entertainment fields then who yeah who knows what the other ones would be spin-off series what would be the american i mean red rover probably steal the bacon I don't even what handball. So I many don't know. Do, dumb do, games, dodgeball, four square, yeah, uh, hopscotch, uh, spin, spin the bottle. No, <laughs> dodgeball would be oh my God, crazy. Dodgeball. Like yeah. get... Oh, what would a hopscotch version be? Oh, step. That's... It'd be sort of like step on the crack. Type of I mean, thing the I bridge. I the bridge game was hopscotch in a way. Yeah, sort of. Um, right. But yeah, there's so there are just so many things that could be done with it. I just here's the thing: Do I need to watch this level of death game all over again? I don't know. Like just because it's different games, I don't know if it necessarily makes it better. So like when we were talking about like sequels, I was like, do I want to watch more Squid Game? Death, no. But people did talk about possibly like what if it was a prequel, and like we saw what happened with the uh, with the front man and his brother, and like all that stuff. Maybe I would watch that, or with the old dude. Um, I mean, so. yeah, I think if they were to make a sequel, because again, like I don't need to see another iteration of yeah. Squid Game. But I mean, what Squid Game offers is a satire or like a critique of the capitalist system, but it doesn't really offer a way forward, right? It doesn't really offer us what, like, what a ideal version of this world might look like. And I think that is the opening that Gene gives is as someone who is now super wealthy or at least has wealth. Like, does he offer us like what the way forward is, right? Offer like a solution or, or at least even like a direction to go. Like, how will he use his resources now to take down this ultra capitalist system um i think that might be interesting direction to go i don't know if that's where they're gonna go but i think that would make more sense as opposed to like let's do this all over again with new new people yeah i don't know just advance the advance the conversation people (laughs) well they'd still have to be new people because everyone else is dead marvin well i mean yeah (laughs) oh no (laughs) r.i.p so all the ones who didn't make it I have a question for y'all. How would you have played the game? Like, who who are you in our cast of characters? I, I would have voted to go out, and then I would have never come back. <laughs> That's like, yeah, I would have That's peaced valid. Out you are valid. I, I'm not in. You are valid. I have the privilege of not being in crippling debt, so I'm, I don't think I'm the right person to ask for this. Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, if we were in that position, yeah. I, it's like, it would be very difficult because, honestly, I would have been scared to death, and I would have tried to escape, and I probably would have been shot. Um, I, I, I would love to say that I would be smart and like think my way out of it, but I feel like inevitably I would not be the last person standing. I would somehow die. Anything physical amount, man. Like I can't even run. Like I run like a 15 minute mile. So like anything physical. I'm How out. are you with mind games though? Because that's another part of it. Great at mind games. Great at mind games. Like I probably I'm I'll be brave. I'll admit it. I'm probably a little bit more like some. Yeah, than no, I, I was I was about to say so, if I were in that situation, I'd probably play dirty as long as I could until I died. You know, like it's also just like, bro, like you came back in this. What were you like? Not just. Yeah. Not Sangwoo, but like everybody, like you came back in. Yeah. This. Like what? Did you Sangwoo expect? was like the only one who kind of understood the game. Like, like from the beginning when we were talking about like the the Dalgona cookies, like he knew what was up. He he totally lied. You know, he 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 set up uh, Gihun. So. <laughs> And he probably, I mean, in all honesty, like I would totally believe if he wanted Gyun out earlier, so he wouldn't have mm-hmm. to fit, like personally yeah. kill Gyun, right? Yeah. Like, 
Also, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, you could tell that Sangu was like a hottie oh, back in the day. Still was. Like, I was like, like I'm sorry. St- like, daddy, yeah. little daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, mm, you probably, like, you could also just tell all the middle aged men in this were like, probably a hottie back in the day. Did I look up all the ages of the actors? Yes. Um, Gyun is uh, near my age. Uh, and his, I also saw on the show that his birthday is October 31st, Halloween. Uh, same year Ooh. as me. So like, and I'm November 1st. So I was like, oh, this character and I. I did not expect Lee Byung Hun to show up too. That was a surprise. <laughs> that was great, right? <laughs> you know, really cutting that check, having a double body double for all the other episodes, just get him in for like it, one day of shooting. It was so smart, yeah. Because like when when you look up the credits, then you're like, you see two episodes for him and for Gong Yu, Gong Yu, and so you're like, oh, I guess it was only two episodes, but what an impact! <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say, um. Justice for Ali, the sweet, the sweet flower, the sweet, sweet cherub child who was too innocent for this game. Um, he should never come. He back. should have never. No, sir. Yeah. You. Like the other people, in some ways, I understand, but like, why the fuck did the couple go together? Like, oh my god. <laughs> well, we never learn, right? We never learn what. No, their we don't know their is. story. We yeah. don't know their story. But it's like at that point, like if you came back together, you kind of had to know that at least one of you would die so um i mean it's that's the thing everyone thinks they're the exception and that's like that's the great lie that the system teaches us great lie i mean it makes for a great tv show you know so all right so to wrap this up is the squid game good pop yeah (laughs) i mean i really am i feel like they're every generation has their death game Right? Were you a battle royale person? Were you a Hunger Games person? They all inevitably kind of say the same thing about critiques for capitalism and and exploitation. Um, actually, I don't know about battle royale. I know Hunger Games is about capitalism. I think both battle royale and Hunger Games are more about fascism than capitalism. Yeah, well, yeah. they're they're always thematically something hmm. deeper. So I really hope this generation, who is be, you know these these ten year olds watching Squid Game and being raised <laughs> on it, you know they have the think pieces to accompany them. I hope they're they are enlightened a little bit more past the actual death game part and into the critiques of like, oh, this system is rigged. Don't fall for it. Maybe we can all you know. I give up on our generation. Like we in it. <laughs> Millennials are fucked. You know, like. We are the we are the collateral damage of an unche- for for an unchecked American capitalism. Are you saying we're the baddies now? We are the baddies, but it's also like we the like like I'm old. I just want like I'll take like a condo at this point, an apartment, like like something, so I'm not like on the street. Like I'll just take that. That's all I want. Um, I'm too tired. Otherwise, that's how capitalism is designed. It makes you tired. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, like, it's too late for us. But I hope, um, you know, Gen Z raised on or Gen Alpha, I mm, guess is that what they're raised? called? I think so. They had to cycle back over around the alphabet. Yeah. May you learn from Squid Game what we did not from our Death Games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do have to say, it's just it is enjoyable. It's like, entertaining. I, most people I know had to binge it. You know, this man. This yeah. man. This director. Knows how to fucking end an episode. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly where to stop an episode. Where you're like, fuck, gotta watch the next one. He he knows the storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I mean, the mark of good pop is that it's so ubiquitous, and you know it has the reach when my partner's mother watched the series and mm-hmm. enjoyed it despite all the hyper violence. My mom came back. He's like, my boss told me about this show and said I should watch it. I was like, that was the show I told you to watch because this is one of the rare titles that has Chinese subtitles. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you should I, watch I, it. I guess I will see if my mom has watched it or not. I haven't <laughs> talked to her in a little while. So. All right. Well, on that note, that'll do it for our discussion of Squid Game, um, available on Netflix now. Um, if you haven't watched it, what are you doing listening to our spoiler cast? Go watch it now, now that you're armed with our expert analysis of the themes of this show. I'm not going to lie. The spoilers don't make it less enjoyable because <laughs> no. I spoiled it before I started watching because I don't like not knowing. <laughs> it make, gives me too much anxiety. So I can't focus on the actual show and it'll still a good ass time. It's truly the journey. Like it's really, really, really good. 
Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at JustYouTweets. And I am at Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yue. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. You can check out us and our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, join us next week as we visit something a little bit lighter. We're going to check out the latest spooky offerings from Disney Plus with Muppets Haunted Mansion. Um, so definitely a lot lighter than this this week's topic. <laughs> Uh, you never know. You never know. It might be just puppet bodies everywhere. Okay. Puppet squid game. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for listening. Oh, my God. See you all next time. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. I'm Quincy Cho. And I'm Kay Kanapu. And we host Marvel Makeup. It's a podcast where I teach Quincy a little about Marvel. And I teach Kay a little bit about makeup. Join us as we watch and talk about every movie and TV show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I'm mostly watching for the first time. And join us as we apply makeup stuff to our faces, which I'm using for the first time. Marvel Makeup is part of the Potluck Podcast Collective, and you can find new episodes every other Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can catch video versions of Marvel Makeup on our YouTube channel. So please rate, review, and subscribe. And please give us five stars so our Asian moms will understand why we buy so much electronic equipment. Because it's for this podcast, Marvel Makeup.